The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM where we always cover all the latest and greatest in technology and all the changes that are just, I don't know, rolling in all the time and keeping us on our toes with tech. And I'm lucky. I love technology. I just understand it. It seems to work for me. I'm the guy that when he walks into a house, the Wi-Fi is fast and stable. And when I leave, I get phone calls dead. Uh, the Wi-Fi is not working. So what can I say? You, every, every family needs a, a tech guru. And hopefully some of the stuff I share on the show will help make you a tech guru. Now, all the Apple, all the Apple uh, aficionados or all the Apple users out there have to do a really quick and important update. This came through yesterday or the day before. I just can't quite remember. But essentially, there is an element of the Apple development system called WebKit. And there's an exploit that's apparently existed in this space for a long time. And Apple have launched or released a set of upgrades across its entire platform. We're talking laptops, we're talking mobile phones, we're talking tablets, everything. And it's very, very important that uh, if you own an Apple product in general, you should always keep up with the latest updates. It brings a lot of benefits generally. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys who stay on top of these things by downloading all the public betas and testing extensively and making sure that, you know, things work and, you know, I have, I have update items. So we have to keep up to date. But apart from anything, it also gives me insight into what breaks, what doesn't break. I do it across a range of different phones. So from an old iPhone 6S all the way up to the iPhone 12, a couple of them, I just keep them at the, on the latest software. But the latest, if you haven't updated to 14.5, I highly recommend you do so. There's some really cool uh, upgrades in that space, especially if you own an Apple Watch. You can now unlock using your Apple Watch with a mask on which is super, super cool because I see a lot of people in banks and shops and wherever they go trying to unlock their phones and they have to pull down their masks. And it, it's a little uncomfy or put in a code or a pin. If you've got 14.5, you can actually set it up that with your mask on, you just lift the phone up like normal. It recognizes you to some extent and then uses the fact that you've got a watch that also moved um, to unlock your phone. So that's very cool. But anyway, that's beside the point. They have now released a a really important update for Mac OS, Big Sur, which is on the, on the, on the computers, iOS, iPad OS 14.5, now I'm what, 14.51, and for all the phones, iOS update, as well as a watch update. So this particular exploit, which allows complete control over your, over your device, has been exploited around the world. And I highly recommend that if you have any Apple device, you update if you haven't updated the latest software, do it to this version, and you should remain safe and get lots and lots of cool new functionality and a great new look on your laptop. They're big updates, so try not to do it. Or in fact, I don't think it allows you to do it on mobile connections, but try to do it on a decent Wi-Fi connection. Takes a while, but I highly recommend it. And it's not often that I see such an important update. A lot of people argue with me, say they're very happy, they don't want to change, they. You know, why fiddle with their phone? Because maybe something will break. Not had that problem, but don't hold me responsible. If you do, for whatever reason, it's very, very, very small. But 
it's well worth making sure that you stay safe, especially in this crazy time with the amount of cybercrime and all the rest going on. Exploits have become a real, real, real problem. So I highly recommend that you update as soon as possible and keep your your eye device shiny new and shiny fresh with all the latest software. Um, moving on, what is really cool, and I was very pleased to see that finally we are joining. In fact, I think advancing above some of the some of the major countries around the world. Apparently, and it has been announced that a brand new driver's license in South Africa is coming in the second half of the year. But apart from the fact that that is a way long overdue um, thing that's been needed for ages, the current driver's license is hard to produce. It doesn't have your first name on it, which has created massive hassle for me when I've traveled around the world. And it's just old and clunky and as a lot of us have experienced during this, the COVID period to renew a driver's license has become a huge problem. Well, here's something that could be extremely useful. The new driver's license will also be available as a smartphone app. So you'll be able to show and allow um, whoever needs to see your driver's license, traffic police, whatever, anyone who wants to check your ID, to scan the code of it on your phone or at least have it available on your phone. So... I hope they get this right. It's been promised for some time um, towards mid-2021, so June, July, hopefully by August, we'll have this. And the apparently the new design of the card is, is going to be similar in some respects to our, the current ID cards with all the latest technology, contactless, and all that good stuff. So I'm looking forward to this one. This should be really cool if they get it right, and there's no reason to think they won't because the production times have been promised to be down to as little as five days, and it would just solve a huge problem for all of us. Most of us use our driver's license um, for ID. You need to carry it on you all the time. So it just makes so much sense. We've all got smartphones. If you can show a smartphone with a verified app on it and it's got your driver's license there, boy, it can save so many hassles when you shoot out to the gym or just lose your wallet or whatever the case may be. So smart thinking. Um, let's hope. Our transport minister, Fikile Mbalula, has got this right this time, and we're going to see some really cool technology around driver's licenses. It also fits into the greater picture where you'll be able to check your fines, do everything you need to do online, and no more will you have to stand in these insane queues or try to figure out how to make a booking or pay someone to make a booking for you. And unfortunately, like my daughter, went to renew her driver's license, got a little bit scammed at a driver's license testing center. So this is just something that is so overdue and it is the perfect use of how technology should be used and should effectively make things so much easier for all of us. Now, another thing that has come across um, my computer of late and something that's popped up on a couple of my accounts is Google are asking for my birth date. Now, a couple of people have phoned me and said, what's going on here? Why would I want to give my birth date to Google? And why should I comply with that request? Well, it's not casual, and it's actually quite important, but it does raise all sorts of questions about you know, privacy and data security and all the rest. But simply put, you may receive both Android users and Google accounts on your computer. You may receive a prompt from Google asking you to to supply your date of birth. It says your, your date of birth is missing. The info is needed to comply with the law. Now, I've seen it, so 
it's it's definitely not a scam. That's the other thing that a lot of people are worried about. Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Well, simply put, I think you should for a very simple reason. In many countries, there is a minimum age in terms of children's privacy and protection. Now, that is very much a um, it is very much a challenge that uh, exists in America, but it is something global that has uh, has an impact on everything. And in actual fact, in South Africa, you need to be over the age of 13 to own and operate a Google account. Now, I don't know many people who've uh, set up a Google account for their children, though a lot of people do that just to reserve their name at, at uh, you know, Stephen Ambrose at Google.com or whatever it is. That's not my email address, so don't use it, but uh, whatever the case may be. But the fact is, you do often need to create these accounts for whatever reason, but you need to be over the age of 13. And what Google have warned is that if you do not, if they ask you for whatever reason, trust me, their AI and their data collection info is pretty serious. If they ask you for your ID uh, and your date of birth, not your ID, your date of birth, I think it's actually fine to supply it. The data security is pretty good. And it will definitely allow you to continue to use all these services. So imagine not having them. But uh, it's a discussion for a much greater, wider discussion down the road. But simply put, if you have an Android phone, you use Google Mail or Google on any of your devices, they're now going to ask for this info. And I think you should give it because it does make a lot of sense. Otherwise, your, your account may well be suspended. And that could be a little bit uncomfortable. And we'll be back straight after this. I've got some other Really cool news. No interview this week, unfortunately. Been a little bit of a crazy time with all the holidays, but we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. Um, and in other crazy news in this internet-connected social media crazy world, Donald Trump remains banned. And that's quite a big deal. If you think about it carefully, it's quite a big deal on, on what is going on in the whole social media space. Obviously, he was banned for lots of very, very interesting reasons. But the main and remaining reason is that they have found and their experts have found that essentially he incited pretty serious violent unrest after the January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol, and the risks of allowing him, well, this is not my words, this is the words of Facebook CEO's Mark Zuckerberg, said that the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our services during this period are simply too great. And again, it, it begs the question, and it brings up the, the whole area of how much should you share, how much do you share, and what is the impact of Facebook and social media on society as a lot at large, and it's not something that I believe we're going to get into, something that I've actually been discussing with a number of experts in the field, and I'll hopefully bring a couple on the air in the next few weeks to discuss this. But essentially, we all use Facebook to some extent, either to stalk our family or to let our family stalk us. The younger people will look at me and go, are you nuts? Or we don't use Facebook anymore. But whatever the case may be, a lot of people use it. It is pretty universal global platform that allows sharing and understanding and following people who live in a global world. I mean, many of us have friends, family, 
direct family in countries all over the show. And it's quite cool to have something where you can see their, their exploits and their latest puppy and everything else that's going on. But banning someone as high profile as Donald Trump is quite a serious step. And really it, um, it has created a major problem for the major tech platforms. And how do they manage the type of information and fraudulent stuff and fake news and all the rest is going on there. Now, I have no doubt that um, Donald Trump is not going to take this lying down. He has started his own website, communication website, and he has seems to have an enormous following of people that will probably get involved in this type of thing. And we may see the growth of an alternative right-wing sort of area that, that grows on the Internet. However, that sort of stuff has been happening all over the show, but it doesn't have quite the same power, pull, and global impact of the major social media networks. But anyway, for now, he remains banned on all the social media platforms, certainly the ones controlled by um, Facebook. Though Twitter have also come online and said they're not going to allow him to onto their platform. Quite interestingly, I've not seen, and I've done a search for Donald Trump on TikTok. He doesn't seem to be there. It's not really down with all the young people. Maybe it's not his target audience. So he is definitely someone who's going to cause a little bit of havoc in this space. But I believe that in many ways, Facebook and the various other social media platforms have done an interesting job and are continuing to do an interesting job to manage what is available on their platforms. And the sheer quantity of, of fake news and other assorted stuff that that still exists is is really crazy. I mean, we are definitely entering an era where experts, you know, everyone's an expert. After five hours of Googling and watching a few YouTube videos, everyone's an epidemiologist these days. They all understand what's going on around vaccines and everything. I'm making no comment on that, but it seems that everyone has their own opinion and they're not ty- they're not scared to share it online. And that and therein lies the whole challenge around social media and around having the ability to reach enormous amounts of people with a very simple message on simple platforms. But we will watch the space, and I just again urge everybody to be really careful what they share on any social media platform. The internet can store everything forever, whatever you do, all those crazy party shots when you were young and perhaps, you know, indulging in things you shouldn't have been doing will go with you wherever you go. So young people, be aware that Facebook is not a place to store everything. Uh, neither is social media a place to rant and rave. And uh, use it appropriately, enjoy it uh, carefully, and uh, have a wonderful time knowing and, and communicating with tons and tons of interesting people, whatever the platform that you choose to use. But also, do not trust everything that you read. Strange stuff comes there, and it becomes a real, real, real challenge. And talking about really strange stuff, and this is another huge technology question and problem that we may have to face in South Africa in the nearish future. You may or may not have heard that the post office essentially wants to take out all the couriers. Now, with the growth of, of, of e-commerce and with the recent absolute explosion of online shopping globally and locally, the stats are off the charts. Every single properly constituted online store from Amazon all the way through to take a lot and all the guys in South Africa that 
were pretty doing pretty well pre-pandemic absolutely exploded over the period of the pandemic for lots of good reasons. One, we weren't able to go out. Two, people are not comfortable in the current circumstance to go spend hours browsing in the shops. There's obviously global restrictions on doing that. Some countries you have to make an appointment. Some places they limit the number of people in the store. It's just become extremely difficult. You can't spend the morning at the mall and do the Sunday, you know, do your weekly shopping. It has, I believe, fundamentally changed the way that we are going to consume and shop. Interestingly, and as a total aside, what it's also created, and I've been doing a lot of reading in this space, is that people have spent huge amounts less every month because they are no longer doing the sort of discretionary stuff that they were doing before. They didn't wander down to the mall, pop into the coffee shop or a Starbucks, get a coffee, buy a snack for the family and for themselves. And all of this money has added up into a massive pool of savings. In many countries, savings have skyrocketed as a result of the pandemic. I'm not talking about, obviously, those guys. There's been a lot of pain and suffering for people who didn't earn enough. But those that managed to sustain their income and continue with their jobs have built up a nice pool of, of cash. A lot of that cash has been spent on home improvement and improving their homes. House prices have shot up. But also what a lot of people have done is they've actually started spending more and more and more money online. Now, one of the key supply chain issues around online is how efficiently and quickly you can get those goods to your house in a proper manner. Now, using an old 1998 um, statute that sits in the books in South Africa, the post office wants to enforce, and they've done this through ECASA, they're now in court currently trying to enforce that any letter, parcel, or package, or anything that is handled up to and including one kilogram has to be done through the post office. Now, personally, I wouldn't use the post office for anything. I've shipped stuff through the post office. It's landed up miles from home, if it ever arrives, six to eight weeks to get anything. It completely breaks the whole concept of online shopping. It's easier to walk to Pretoria to pick up a parcel than to use the post office. Many, many people have tried to send a simple letter down the road. They post it like at the Parkview Police, uh, Post Office and they live in Emerentia, for example, or anywhere near there, and it can take three to six weeks to get a letter. So, unfortunately, I believe the post office is fundamentally broken. I don't believe they have the ability to um, to do this, but they are definitely going to try to get a court ruling which says that any parcel below a kilo will go through the post office. Now, that gets pretty scary. You want to buy a brand new phone from Vodacom, and that gets delivered by secure courier to your door pretty much overnight. Well, guess what? That'll have to go through the post office. Now, the post office says that they are able to scale up and manage this. However, currently, they are technically insolvent. They are commercially insolvent. They can't pay their bills. They're waiting for bailouts from the government. So we need to watch this space, and I'm not sure what any of us can actually do that. But PostNet um, have actually obtained an interdict to stop the post office from enforcing this regulation, which was part of the Postal Services Act 124 of 1998 that states only a licensed postal service operator I render services defined as reserved postal services, which includes letters, postcards, printed matter, 
small parcels, and other posted articles up to and including one kilo. For e-commerce and for you and I, this is a huge, huge challenge. I cannot imagine having to, to have a, a thing online where you have to buy something more than a kilo to get it delivered to you reliably and quickly. So we're going to have to just wait and see and watch this space, but it is a serious serious problem as far as I'm concerned. It will have massive implications on e-commerce, which has become an incredible sort of way to do your shopping, to do everything that you need to do. And from the technology's point of view, can you imagine the sheer hassle of trying to get a new mouse? You have to go to a shop or you have to at least buy something over a kilo. It just doesn't make any sense. But this is the craziness we live with. I'm going to stay on top of this story and try to keep you guys informed. Shouldn't, shouldn't when it, it, it happens. I, I don't believe they'll get away with this. I can't believe that it's, it's something that's in the interests of anybody, but that's the craziness of, of, of the world we live in. And again, segueing from a little bit of craziness and moving on to the next, um, major spat that's coming in the technology space. And I've spoken a lot about it, and I'll just clarify it again quickly before we move on to my gadget of the week. But essentially, Spectrum has become a huge problem. We all want 5G, and I can tell you I've experienced it. It is fantastic. It really works extremely well. I haven't yet grown any arms. Um, hopefully, when I get my vaccine one day, um, I'll, my 5G coverage will improve considerably because I've heard that that's one of the side effects. No, just joking, there are no side effects of that sort, to be totally clear. But Spectrum is a major challenge, and MTN and Telcom have taken ICASA, which is the regulator, to court over their so-called Spectrum auction. The Spectrum should have been auctioned in March. We're now sitting by May, and ICASA have said, and it feels a little retaliatory, and it feels a little bit arbitrary, but what ICASA did over the period of corona is give MTN, Vodacom, and all the operators some emergency spectrum in the in the band that's suitable for 5G and for 4G data um, for nothing for the period. Well, when I say for nothing, they didn't have to uh, bid for it, and they are, in fact, paying for it, but they were able to obtain the spectrum, a couple of megahertz of spectrum in these highly contested and high-volume um, areas for their networks. Now, both MTN and Vodacom have rolled out 5G, mostly in these sort of borrowed spectrums. Um, Telcom and others have simply upped their capacity for 4G data. MTN and Vodacom have done similar things within those uh, sort of loaned spectrums that they were going to bid on. But because of these court cases, obviously the whole process has essentially stopped. So, um, here we go. Here the games are on again, and it definitely will make a, uh, will have a, have an effect on everything because ICASA have now said that at the, on the 31st of May, they're going to remove that spectrum. So ex- if they do so, expect data to slow down considerably and expect, um, expect the quality of voice calls to deteriorate. And unfortunately, it'll also put a major spoke in the wheels of the price of data coming down because without the ability to grow their spectrum and to move as many people off 3G and 2G onto onto 4G and 5G, 
the networks are not physically going to be able to drop their prices any further because they'll have to densify the network, put up more towers in order to just deal with what they are dealing with. So I hope that uh, ICASA and the networks come to some arrangement prior to this all having to go to court because that can take months and that could delay the whole spectrum order thing for over a year. So we're just going to have to hang in there and see what's going on and understand what what the challenges are. But it is a real, real problem for all of us and it will definitely impact both the cost and the quality of our network services going forward. And on that crazy note, I must tell you, MTN, and I've also had some insight into to where Vodacom are. They're only presenting their results in two weeks. But MTN has uh, presented their latest results, and um, they are exceptional. They, they had really strong, strong growth um, in South Africa. I am not surprised. The amount of people that are using mobile for for everything, and mostly for broadband at home has leapt up over the last little while. And I mean, it grew, their, their, their earnings before interest and tax have grown by like five, six percent from a year ago. So again, the pandemic has definitely hurt a ton of people. But in South Africa, MTN certainly were one of the beneficiaries. Connectivity was a critical element of what we did, what we needed to do, how we carried on our businesses. And they increased their subscribers, they increased their, their wholesale and all sorts of um, profits across all their brands. And they now have 32.1 million subscribers and they postpaid. Now, those are prepaid. Post, well, the total subscribers, they're postpaid subscribers. In other words, contracts of subscribers grew to 6.8 million. And that does include what they call Internet of Things endpoints. So, in other words, that SIM cards in traffic lights, SIM cards in cars, SIM cards in, 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 in equipment rather than people. But still, the prepaid subscriber brace grew to 25.3 million. And that is pretty serious. This is in the last quarter. So, it is pretty serious what is going on. But where you can see how much people are using data, their data grew by 18.5%. And looking back, um, looking, and that's just data traffic growth. When looking back at what I was saying about spectrum, data over, over mobile is a finite resource. It is directly linked to the amount of spectrum that you have. So in other words, it is not infinite. 4G uses spectrum in a particular way and you can only get a maximum amount of throughput on that spectrum. So what happens as it gets more and more loaded, the speed gets slower and slower as it's shared between more and more and more people. 5G, on the other hand, is an order of magnitude better than 4G in the same spectrum. So if you're getting one meg of data speed on a 4G thing and there are a thousand people on the network and the capacity of that spectrum is a hundred, you obviously, without doing any more mental maths, you're getting, you know, a hundredth of the the, if there's 100 of you on the network and its total is 100, you each get one. If on 5G, the capacity for the exact same spectrum is 100,000, so you can imagine 100 people on 100,000, whatever the speed capacity of that particular spectrum is, you get a 1,000 times faster speed, like for like. And as the number of people come on board, as people start using it more and more, the ability to move to a, a newer technology is critical. And the problem with 5G, the only way it can deliver the types of speeds that it does and the capacity that it does, it needs lots more spectrum. So therein run, 
lies the 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 conundrum. Anyway, so the results were great. MTN did great. I expect it to continue. I hope they sort out their spectrum issues. I think it's really, really, really important that they do. And I think it's very important for all of us that the prices of data continue to go down. I do believe you and I are going to spend more and more time online, more and more streaming, higher quality streaming. 4K streaming is around about 10 gigs an hour of data, which is pretty serious. So, you know, as you go along, we're going to use more data. We're going to use more spectrum. And I think the guys need to get out of the way and just get get the business going so that we can actually capitalize on all the new technologies and get more data to all of us. And on that note, we'll take a quick break, and then I'll be back with Gadget of the Week. I've been spending lots of time with the new Samsung and enjoying it thoroughly. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And highly recommended. If you're a little bit worried, pop in 15, 20 minutes later, all done. So give it a, give it a shot. Anyway, back onto my gadget of the week. And my gadget of the week is the new Samsung A32. I mentioned it a couple of, about a month, month and a half ago on air. And I've been playing with it, um, for the last month on a fairly regular basis. It wasn't my main phone. I didn't put my main SIM into it, but I did put you know, a, a Vodacom SIM in, and I've been using it pretty extensively for the last month. And the reason really is very simple. High-end phones have become super, super expensive. So we're talking contracts that in the end cost you close to a thousand, um, thousand rand a month or over 20 to 30,000 rand going, you know, for the high-end Samsung Galaxy S21 and all the rest of the guys. So, Prices have gone through the roof. Uh, a lot of us are looking to be a little bit um, careful in what we do. And unfortunately, um, we we try to get great value at, at low cost. Now, the A32 is the smallest of the, the A series from Samsung. It slots in just below the Galaxy S series and for the most part are fairly indistinguishable in look and feel. So holding the A32 in my hand, it has a really good quality screen. It has a plastic back, but it doesn't feel like plastic. It's pretty good. Interestingly, the the uh, S21 Ultra has a plastic back as well. It has a total of four cameras on the rear, obviously a little selfie and a teardrop on the front. But overall, for the money, and that's depending on where you buy it and what package you buy it on, it is a pretty decent device for the most part. Now, it's not a gamer's device. I must admit that the one little drawback I must give is that some of the other Chinese competitors are a little bit faster. In other words, the processor and the memory is slightly higher, and that does make them a little bit more suitable for gaming, um, video watching than the A32. But it runs the latest version of Android. It has the, the I think, a really cool skin that Samsung supply, their One UI. And overall, in day-to-day use, I'll get into the tech specs in a few minutes, but in day-to-day use for the money, and for the ecosystem that Samsung uh, works in, and I'll, I'll tell you about that in a few minutes, but essentially we now sit with a phone that for the most part it has, a, a, as I said, a really good screen. It's very light. It's large. It has an excellent camera system and camera setup, not only just the quality of the cameras, but the actual AI that's built in that allows the pictures to do some really cool stuff. is really, really, really decent. 
And um, in general, uh, I must admit, it is a highly recommended device. As I said, there are a couple of very similarly priced devices from other Chinese manufacturers. But I think a lot of people have come to trust the Samsung brand. And apart from just the brand itself, you've got Samsung Pay, which works extremely well. I've used it globally. I've used it locally. Um, it, it's brilliant. You just tap your phone to any, and I mean literally any, um, credit card device, both, both tap to pay and swipe only, which is a, a unique feature of the Samsung ecosystem. That works extremely well. Second of all, Samsung service and repair across the country is extremely well greased or well-oiled machine. If you need a new screen, if something goes wrong with your phone, it can often be done within an hour, within two minutes. The one thing that's absolutely impressed me, and I cannot believe they've managed to get such a massive battery into such a slim design, it, it comes with a 5,000 milliamp battery, which is pretty much the size of those external battery packs that a lot of us carry around. And I mean, I easily, easily, with lots of social media, lots of the odd video here and there, lots of emailing and Googling and you name it, I get two days out of the phone, which is really great. So in summary, the good stuff around the new A32 is it's got a 90 hertz AMOLED screen. So the quality of the screen, it's not the sharpest, but you can't see the difference between this and an S21 Ultra sharpness, even though the S21 Ultra is significantly better. The colors, it's brighter and the colors are slightly, I would say more accurate. But again, we're talking three times the price. But the 90 hertz screen makes it extremely smooth scrolling. You get none of the little judder and shudder of older, slower screens. Um, it's a very clean, sleek, expensive looking phone. You, when you put it down, it certainly looks the part. The cameras are exceptional, I must say. In this, in this space and the type of functionality, the bokeh effect, its ability in low light, its ability in, in, in challenging, and that's where the AI comes in, shooting into the sun, for example, into really mixed light, shadow, and bright in one screen. Really very impressed with the cameras. Battery life, as I said, is really great. And what Samsung have done, even though they've now announced if you have got an S8, they're not going to update it anymore, they've guaranteed three years' worth of Android updates, which is important. With the security and everything that's going on around, we really need to 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 um, to be sure that your device is, is is updated as much as possible and kept sort of uh, safe from all sorts of nonsense that goes on in the internet. The only real challenges, and I mean these are small and but something you can consider, is that if you start using lots of apps, it tends to get a little bit laggy. I found that when you're switching between, if you've got a whole host of different apps open and you start switching between them, sometimes it can just pause or take a little lag. It's not terrible, but it's it's there. It, I've seen it. Also, the fast charging is limited to 15 watt, and in this day and age, that is pretty slow because um, normally all the other devices in the range are up to 25, all the Apple devices up to 25, and some some devices, including some of the Huawei's and others from other manufacturers, can go up to 40 and even 60 watt. And that simply means that um, if you have forgotten to charge and you need to top up, a 15 watt charge will give you probably 80% in about 45 minutes to an hour, where some phones can give you 20 minutes for that same sort of of update. But that must be set off against the fact that it's got such a massive 
massive battery that often you won't need to worry about that. So if you're looking for a top-notch device, it also comes in 4G and 5G variants, which is really cool. Not that 5G is a big deal yet in South Africa, but I anticipate by the end of the year, you're going to see a massive, massive, as soon as they get the spectrum sorted out, you're going to see a massive explosion in 5G across the country, especially in the urban areas. But it'll make sense to roll it out wherever there's 4G now. Similar technology, cost, but completely uh, better for everything else. So if you're looking for a phone that's not going to break the bank, it's very good value in the context of mid-range phones, has some of the latest tech that you can find out there, looks the part, and generally will give you absolutely no trouble. So um, have a look at the new Samsung Galaxy A32. I've been very impressed with my time with it. And now we're going to have to take a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with something that I think is super cool, uh, all to do with restaurants and booking online. But we'll be back right after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Moving on to my last little sort of gadget. Well, it's not really a gadget. It's, it's a great new integration, something that I've used in my travels around the world. And more and more, Google Maps and Google have become not simply a mapping service or an internet search service. They've become social and uh, your social life planning tools. If you need to get somewhere, you can do it through the app wherever you are in the world. If you need to make a reservation at a restaurant, you can do a Google search restaurants near me and up will pop a whole host of restaurants near you. And the one thing that's been lacking in South Africa is the ability to book online. You had to either phone for a, for a reservation or use the website of the the restaurant um, to make a reservation. And it just wasn't that seamless and that easy. Well, here's the good news. There is an app which I've used and which I highly recommend that you download and use called Dine Plan. Now, not every restaurant is linked to it, but a good chunk of them are today. And you can make bookings throughout the country on Dine Plan. But now what Dine Plan have done is they've integrated with Reserve for Google. So now when you Google something, restaurants near me or Chinese near me or Indian near me, up will pop a list of restaurants. You click on them and on your phone, in your maps, on your computer, wherever you are, there'll be a nice little banner that says reserve now. And you can directly click on that link and reserve a restaurant of your choice anywhere that you want directly without having to go through another app or another thing. You get an SMS. You get a, a, a email confirming your reservation. You can then often, if you need to make a change, just click on the link and you can go and do that. So I think it's just brilliant. And you can set your party size, the date, the time, whatever you want to do. And it's just an absolute pleasure. It just makes things and brings the South African restaurant industry right up there with global, I wouldn't call it best practice, but certainly the ease and, and, and the sort of simplicity of booking online no more waiting and giving your name and and having to hassle about are they open can they take my reservation so i often sit and plan a couple of weeks ahead and make a a few bookings for restaurants just well luckily we can right now and let's hope it stays that way for the nearest future but dime plan is a great app uh, download it use it but it works exactly the same way through the through google and again 
that brings up the whole question of do you need Google on your phone? Do you want to give them your birth date? Well, these are some of the little reasons why you are the service, but they are not charging you for all this wonderful integrated functionality. And it certainly makes life a lot, lot easier. So download the app, Dine Plan. You can find it on both the Google, the Play Store or the Apple um, iStore or the Apple Store and download that immediately. And so far, most of the main restaurants that I've tried are easy to book and easy to use. And you get confirmation immediately. And when you arrive, they know about you. It's all in the system. It's slick. It's simple. It's easy. And it definitely works extremely well through Google because what else Google are doing is tons and tons of reviews. So it's not just a matter of, um, you know, booking. You can also see menus. You can see the reviews. It's just a great way to know that you're going somewhere cool or you're getting the food that you want or whether the price is even in your price range. So check it out. You can just Google restaurants near me and see which ones you can book online. Or you can download Dine, Dine Plan as an app and do it directly from there. Either way, slick, smooth, and easy. And on that note, I've been told to wrap it up. Our time is up. The day moves on. Enjoy the rest of your week and stay warm. And uh, just uh, generally keep playing with your tech. It suits me. And I get lots of fun bringing you all the latest news and uh, gadgets and gizmos. Till next time, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on Chi FM.